Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk. Morning to those of you that are online. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, This is a a special day that we get a chance to honor our moms. And and, uh, personally, I am super thankful for my mom. She actually now lives... Uh, my mom and dad moved to Birmingham, Alabama uh, just about a year and a half ago. So she's in Alabama. And I grew up in a home where uh, I was the oldest of three boys. Uh, and my mom, so my mom's any gray hair that she has, that she actually probably dies, but if, if she didn't dye it, uh, is caused because of the three boys in that picture. Uh, and probably a lot of it was the oldest boy in that picture. Uh, But my mom is a special mom, obviously. She's very special to me. She actually grew up in the Midwest. She grew up in Indianapolis. Uh, She grew up in a home where faith wasn't uh, a big part of her, you know, wasn't a big part of her upbringing. And she actually had a neighbor that uh, loved Jesus and decided to ask this little girl, hey, do you want to go to church with our family? And so my mom went to church with one of her neighbors. And early on, because of that neighbor, she became a follower of Jesus Christ. And my mom and dad, they actually met. And I don't even think this restaurant exists anymore. Uh, It was called Burger Chef. It was a fast food restaurant in the Midwest. And mom and dad, they met there. Mom was engaged to one guy. Dad, he must have been like he must have had some really good game because she stopped being engaged to that guy and started dating my dad. And they were married uh, before they were even 20 years old. Uh, they were married pretty early and then began to, to have a house full of boys. And if you were to spend time with my mom, uh, you would know that my mom, she is very passionate about her relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Her faith in Jesus is important to her. And so you would know that about my mom pretty early on if if you met her. But you would also notice that my mom has a fierce love for her family. Just like you, if you're a mom, you do. I mean, do not mess with her three boys. Do not mess with her three daughter-in-laws. And if you're going to mess with those two groups of people, that's okay. But don't mess with her favorite people in the world, her grandkids, or life's not going to go well. And she will, she will be glad to talk to you about what she doesn't like. In fact, for one instance, a few, and we have several instances in our family of this, but one instance was a few years ago, mom and dad took us to a dinner theater uh, by their home, and it was the original, original Peter Pan play. And so dinner theater, all, you know, a bunch of the grandkids, and, and some of us were there. And, and so in the original Peter Pan play, they use a word that starts with an A that you uh, sometimes call a donkey in our society. And so they used it a few times in that play. And, and so, you know, no big deal. We've heard that word before, mom. You don't have to do anything about it. But at intermission, my mom decided it was time to go see the manager who runs this place. 
And she went and talked to that guy and, and said, you know what, my, my grandbabies don't need to hear that kind of language. And she made it very clear that I don't care if it was the original play, you shouldn't have said that. You should have made Peter Pan not say that word in the play. And so my mom, extremely passionate. And again, like I said, that's just one story. That was like the least embarrassing story. Uh, there are several others that if we ever have time, I can tell you. And you can tell me some of the embarrassing moments about your home. Uh, but my, so my mom, fierce love for her family. But another thing I love about my mom is my mom is extremely honest. And, and I mean that in the best possible way. There was no question that was ever off limits with my mom. Her, her mindset was, hey, let's talk through the hard and even awkward questions at home so that my boys don't get their answers from other people that I don't want them to get their answers from. And so whether it was uh, talking about faith, whether it was talking about sex, whether it was talking about relationships or culture, man, at our house, we talked it out. In fact, I look back now and I think, did we really talk about that over dinner? I mean, some of the conversations we have, I look back on and it's like, wow, that was awkward to talk about that over steak and baked potato, some of the things we talked about. But, but mom was very honest and she wanted to have those conversations. And maybe you grew up in a home like that too, where, man, no question was off limits and there was just a lot of honest dialogue about different things in life. Or maybe you grew up in a home with less awkward dinners and there were just certain questions that in your family, y'all didn't talk about. There were, there were certain topics that just, you kind of figured it out on your own. It led to a lot less awkward conversations at home. And so there were questions that you, they didn't get asked. And so there were answers that you never talked about because those questions never got asked. And maybe you grew up in a home like that. And unfortunately, the church over the years has kind of been known for some of those same ideas. And here's what I mean. There's maybe you grew up in a setting, a religious system where there was just certain topics that were kind of off limits to talk about in church. Or, or there were certain questions about faith that, man, you, you weren't, they didn't really say you weren't allowed to ask them, but, but they, they didn't like when you asked certain questions about faith. And, and then when you did ask, they just gave you some like small, quick answers that never really answered your question. And it, it almost seemed like maybe the system you grew up in or, or some of the religion that you were around, that there was just certain topics that you just didn't bring up. And there was just certain questions that they just weren't welcomed. And, and over the last few weeks, and if you haven't had a chance, you can look back and, and listen to the podcast or watch them on YouTube. We, we've tried to talk about some of those questions. We've tried to address some of those questions that maybe you wish somebody would have answered. You wish somebody would have even asked. But, but for some reason, it seemed like, man, these were some of the big questions about faith that just weren't really even allowed to be talked about. And so we've tried to answer some of those. And we, I understand this, that, that when we talk about these types of questions, we have people in a lot of different lanes, in their face. So maybe you would say, Chris, I find myself in the kind of the skeptic lane. 
I'm not really sure what I believe about Jesus. I'm not really sure about what I believe about faith. I'm a little skeptical of this whole Jesus thing and faith thing. And, and my, my prayer for you over these last few weeks has been, hey, would you be willing to lean in in a fresh way and maybe doubt some of your doubts? So you've doubted religion, you've doubted Jesus, you've doubted faith, maybe for some really good reasons. And so my, my hope for you has been that, man, and even today is that you would just maybe lean in in a fresh way and, and maybe take a chance and doubt some of your doubts. Maybe you would find yourself in, in, in another lane and you would say, hey, Chris, maybe a few weeks ago, maybe it's been decades, but hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's been a time in my life when I decided to follow Jesus. And for you, if you find yourself in that lane, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, my, my hope for you is that you would get some answers that are better than that's what my mom and dad believed. That's what my pastor said where you would get some answers to some of those big questions so that you could tell people why you follow Jesus. And, and, and you could tell them, and it's not just a pat answer that you've heard somebody else say, but you could tell them why you follow Jesus. One of the questions that people have been asking, honestly, for hundreds, even thousands of years and it's, it's the last question I want to address in this series, and it's maybe the biggest question. It might be the most offensive question. And people have been asking it. They've been arguing about it. They've been being offended by it for a long time. And here's the question. Is Jesus the only way? Is Jesus the only way? See, it's a big question based on a very bold statement that Jesus said, and John writes about it. See, see John writes about the, the time, right, a few hours before Jesus was going to be crucified. He was going to be arrested. He was going to be crucified. And he had gathered together kind of his guys. And he was having dinner with his guys. And, and, and we know it, whether you're religious or not, you, you would know this as the Last Supper. That's how history knows this, this time, this meal. And and during supper, Jesus began to talk to them about what was coming. He began to talk with them about, hey, guys, I'm going to be going away for a little time. I, there's some stuff about to go down. And, and he's just kind of discussing this stuff with his guys. And they're just not getting it. I mean, they, they, they have heard Jesus talk about dying and raising from the dead and, and they, they've heard him talk about the future but it's been it's kind of gone over their head and so in this last few hours before it actually takes place Jesus is kind of reviewing with his guys what's about to happen and again it's just like like way over their head they're not getting it and so Jesus obviously knows how these guys lives are about to radically change and he's anticipating how they're going to react. And so he, he uses this time to just give them some words that he hopes will encourage them when this happens. And so in John chapter 14, as he's sitting down with his guys and he's just told them about what's about to happen and they don't understand, he says these words to hopefully bring them comfort when the things happen that are about to happen. He says this to them. Don't let your heart be troubled. Like, like that, that word troubled means agitated. Like, don't let your heart be troubled. 
believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Your translation might say, in my Father's house are many mansions. And basically, what he's, it would be like what we would say, like apartments. There's a lot of space in my Father's house. Then Jesus goes on and he says, If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Jesus has been telling these guys, like, guys, I'm going to go away. And I'm going away, and me going away is an advantage to you for a few reasons. But one of the reasons is I'm going to go away, and one of the advantages to you is that I'm going away, and while I'm away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not going away forever. He says, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Again, he's he's saying, we're about to be separated, but our separation is going to be temporary. And what Jesus is referring to here, he's referring to the rapture. He's referring to what, what, according to how you believe, it's, it's the next thing on kind of the future events calendar. If you're a future events geek, then you probably have read about the rapture. And so Jesus is talking about this, hey, there's going to be a time I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but, but then I'm going to come back and I'm going to kind of call you up with me and you're going to be with me in this place I've prepared for you. And he's telling them this to, to kind of encourage them. So when it gets really bad over the next few days for them, he wants them to have some words to encourage them. The Apostle Paul, he, he did the same thing. He wrote in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he also wrote about the rapture, and he wrote about it for the same reason, to encourage the people that were reading it. This is what Paul said. He said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And then Paul says this, therefore, encourage one another with these words. So just like Jesus, when Paul wrote about this same period where Jesus would come back, he was writing about it to be a source of hope and encouragement. And so these these guys that Jesus is talking to, they don't even know that they need to be encouraged yet. They don't even know what's about to go down. But Jesus tells them about the future so that when it gets tough, there's some hope. There's some things they're looking towards. And then Jesus says this to them. He's just told them about, hey, I'm I'm going away. I'm going to come back. I'm preparing a place for you. And then he says this. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. He's like, hey, you guys, you know how to spend eternity with me. Like, dude, we've talked about this. I've told you about this. I've told you how to to be with me. I've told you the way. We've had discussions around the fire and over breakfast about this. But for some reason, these guys, they just, they didn't get it. If you're a teacher, you can relate with this. You're like, Dude, we have talked about this for six months. What do you mean you don't understand? This is, this is kind of what's happening. We've talked about how you can be with me. We've talked about this. You should know. And then Thomas, man, he's just like honest. He's sitting, in, I don't know if he's like sitting right next to Jesus. He's back a little bit and he's kind of hoping somebody else will ask the question. But 
Nobody else is asking, so he's like, well, I'll just ask for all of us because I know I'm probably not the only one thinking this. So here's what Thomas says. He says, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus, I don't know if I was sleeping during that talk. I don't know what's going on, dude, but, but I, I don't know where you're going. And for sure, I don't know how to get there. The, the disciples, they had all the information they needed, but at this point, they just could not put the pieces together. And so Thomas, he, he just, I mean, we kind of rag on him for being doubting Thomas because he, he doubted Christ at another point, but he's the honest one here saying, Jesus, I, I, don't, I really don't remember. Should I know the way? I don't know the way, and I, I, I don't know where you're going or how to get there. And then Jesus makes what some would say is a shocking, even offensive statement in response to Thomas. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not saying, I'm going to teach you the way. He's not saying, I'm going to show you the way. He's saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one. That's, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, no one means no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you're watching online or you're here this morning and you, and you read that statement, even if you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're, you would say, no, I'm fitting that lane of skept, kind of skeptical of this whole thing. Maybe you kind of push back in your heart. And maybe you would say, man, is Jesus saying that he is the only way? Because if he is, that seems extremely restrictive. It seems really narrow. And I couldn't agree with you more. It does. It seems really narrow. It seems really restrictive to say there's not seven ways. There's not even two ways. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, religious systems, by nature, point out two things. They might not call it this, but basically they point out two things. They point out a problem, and they point out a solution. And when Jesus came to earth, he came because of a heart problem. He came because we were born with a heart problem called sin. That's why he came. And throughout his teaching and throughout his interaction with people, you can read through the Gospels, you'll notice that Jesus didn't put his focus on what most of the religious leaders and even the religious system of the day put their focus on. Jesus didn't focus on the outside like the religious system focused. He was very, very clear that, man, it doesn't matter really what's going on on the outside. I am here because of your heart. I'm here to be a solution to what's going on in your heart. When, when your car, and I, I don't wish this on you, but, but when your car has engine problems, and I hope you never have engine problems, but, but when your car's not, the engine isn't working, I mean, you don't go up to Les Schwab. And say, you know what, I'd like to get four fresh tires and some windshield wipers replaced. You know what? 
Maybe you'll have some really nice tires. Maybe you'll have the best windshield wipers of any of us in the room. But at the end of the day, your car is not going to move. So it really doesn't matter. For, for, if you have an engine problem, you're, you're trying to fix the engine. And, and maybe you go get tires afterwards, but, but you go to the guy that can fix the engine, not the guy that'll put new tires or new windshield wipers on your car. Jesus and those that were eyewitnesses to his resurrection made cl a clear and really a bold statement. And he said, Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God. If you want something else, go, go somewhere else. If you want tires, you want to need some windshield wipers, you want a paint job, go, go do that. But if you need the engine fixed, go to the engine guy. If you want to you know, clean up your outside and, and be a little bit more moral and do all those things, yeah, maybe you can go other places. But Jesus said, I came to fix the heart. So if you need help with your heart, I'm the way, I'm the truth. I'm the life. See, on one occasion, Peter and John, they were actually interacting with some religious leaders, and they had actually been put in prison. It was after Jesus had risen from the dead, and they had been put in prison because they were talking about Jesus. They were talking about how Jesus had risen from the dead. And so they were put in prison, and then after being put in prison, they were, they were brought in front of these religious leaders, and these religious leaders brought them before them to basically intimidate them to shut up. Stop talking about Jesus. And this is what Peter said to this group of people. He said this. He said, there, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given to people by which we must be saved. And then, then it says this, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. These guys that were close to Jesus, that had the night Jesus was betrayed and the night he was crucified, they had been so afraid they had run away in hiding. Now they were, they were totally different guys because they had seen a resurrected Jesus. And so they're going around saying, hey, there's one way. If you want salvation, if you want your relationship with God fixed, there's one way. There's one way to do that. And they were clear. And these guys, they were so bold about this that they ended up giving up their lives for the message of Jesus. See, the idea of one way, honestly, it may not sit well with you. It certainly doesn't sit well with our culture. But at the end of the day, Jesus said clearly that there are not several solutions to the sin problem. There are not several solutions to the problem of the heart. I mean, if you're, think about it. If you're in an ocean and you're drowning, if someone throws you a new bathing suit, it's not going to help you much. Somebody throws you some sunscreen, unless it's a really big bottle of sunscreen that you can float on, it's not like... Great, thank you for throwing me a new bathing suit. Thank you for, man, the sunscreen, all these great things. That's awesome. 
But, but I need to be rescued. I, I'm drowning. I don't, I don't need all these other things. I have one focus. I need to be rescued. And Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I came to rescue. I came because sin separates God from man. I came, I lived a sinless life, and then I died on a cross, and I took the punishment for sin because I hadn't sinned. I took the punishment for your sin and for my sin. And then they put my body in a grave, and I rose from the grave. And if you were to really read through the accounts of of Jesus' life, and you were to read through... The, the things that he said, one of the things you would notice is that the people that had a problem with Jesus were the religious people. See, Jesus came to do what religion couldn't do. He, he came to do what no one else could do, and that was to provide a solution to the sin problem. So if you're looking for a solution to the sin problem of the heart, Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the way. If that's what you're looking for. See, here's the thing. If you don't see the problem, then the solution might not make sense and it might actually even offend you. To be honest, if you're watching online, if if you and I don't see the problem, then this idea that Jesus is the way to fix the problem, you might take it or leave it or it actually might even bother you. But if you were to read through the accounts of Jesus' life, you would notice that the people, and I said this earlier, the people that had a problem with Jesus and this idea of him being salvation, they were the religious people that thought they had it all together. They didn't see the problem. So the solution didn't make sense to them. But, But you know the people who didn't have a problem with Jesus? The thief on the cross. The woman that was caught in adultery, the tax collector, the demon-possessed man, the father who was desperate to see his kid healed. Those people didn't have a problem with Jesus. It was the people that thought they had it all together that they didn't see their issue. They were the ones that actually killed Jesus. They tried to stop him. And so whether you watch it online or you're here this morning, whether you consider yourself kind of a skeptic, maybe you find yourself in that lane or you would say, man, I'm a, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. doesn't matter if you're a skeptic or a follower of Jesus. We can all agree that Jesus' statement to be the only way to a relationship with God, that's a pretty bold claim. Even whether you believe it or not, we can all agree that's a really bold claim to say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And in case you didn't understand, no one comes to the Father but through me. That's a bold statement. And for this statement to make sense, we have to have an understanding of the problem. And so let me ask you some questions. Whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, let let me ask you a few questions. The first one is this. Do you see yourself as sinful? Like, do you see a problem? 
the scriptures tell us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you might not agree with that. You might think, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have some family members that have sinned, and I definitely have some family members that have some heart issues. But if you were to look in the mirror, and maybe you would even say it verbally, yeah, I'm not perfect, but down deep, you really think you're pretty good. And maybe for you, if you're honest, you don't really see this as a big problem for you. And so the idea of being sinful and the idea of Jesus being a solution, it just doesn't make sense to you because you don't see a problem. You don't see yourself as drowning in the ocean. So why do you need a rescuer? So, so just personal question, do you see yourself as sinful? Let me, let me ask a second question. And these are just kind of heart questions that you answer yourself. What is your solution for your sin? Well, if you don't think you've sinned, then you, you don't think you need a solution. But, but probably there's not a lot of people that are bold enough to say, I'm perfect. So, so probably you would admit, whether you're a skeptic, follower of Jesus, whether you're somewhere kind of in the middle, you would say, yeah, I'm definitely not perfect. I definitely I break this command and this command. I definitely got some things, some issues in my life. I got some things people don't know about that I struggle with. And you would say, yeah, I, I, maybe you wouldn't call it sin, but you'd say, yeah, there's definitely some issues. So my question for you is, so what's your solution for that? Like, what's your solution for those issues of the heart? And then here's a third question. Is your view of sin and your solution for it consistent with what Jesus said? So we've already asked a couple questions, and this is kind of a maybe bring both questions together. Is your view of sin and your solution, like your solution that you have personally, is it consistent with what Jesus said? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an honest, easy question. It's either yes, it's, I agree with what Jesus said, or no, I don't agree with G, what Jesus said. Here's what a lot of people would say. And this is probably the answer our culture would give. You know what? I don't totally, but I like Jesus. I, I don't totally agree with Jesus. I don't totally see it Jesus' way. But, but Jesus is a good guy, and, and, and there was definitely some good teaching. And, and so, man, I'm not going to throw Jesus under the bus. I don't, I don't totally see it exactly the way Jesus did, but, but I think he was probably a really good guy. And so I, I lean in a little bit to what he said. And if that's you, because that's a lot of our culture, let me push back a little bit. Because Jesus wasn't a good man. He wasn't a good teacher. He was either a lunatic or God. For, for somebody to say, you know what, I think Jesus was a good man. He, I think he taught some good things. No, read what he said. If you think that, I mean, he was a lunatic. He was a liar. If he isn't who he said he is, then, then man, throw all of what he said out because he was a manipulating lunatic. And so to, to say, yeah, I kind of take some of what Jesus said. I, I kind of believe a little, like either he's a lunatic or he's God. And it's, it's okay to just admit that. Like, let, let's not play the middle and like, I kind of buy into it. No, no, no. He's lunatic, liar, manipulative, ruined a lot of things in history if he's really not who he says he is or he's God. And if he is a lunatic, then his take on the problem of sin and his claim to be the solution, we should all take a hard pass on. I mean, honestly. But 
If he is who he says he is, then we should take hold of a life preserver because he says, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this morning, which lane do you find yourself in? Would you say, Chris, I'm, to be honest, I, I kind of find myself in that skeptic lane. You're, maybe you're watching online and, and you're saying, you know what, that's Chris. If I, if I put myself kind of in a lane, if I had to categorize myself, I would, I would say I kind of fit into that skeptic lane. Well, well, I'm not here to twist your arm to follow Jesus. I mean, but maybe you've doubted the whole Jesus thing and maybe you have a list of intellectual reasons why you doubted it. And to you, they're, man, they're great reasons. And that's why for you, man, it's not that you just have thrown the whole thing out. Like for you, you have several reasons for that. Here, here's what my question for you is. Would, would you be willing to just doubt your doubts? Would you be willing, like you're like, I've got these four or five things that I just, I doubt Jesus. I doubt faith because of these. Would you just be willing to take a minute and doubt those doubts? Just maybe lean in in a new way. And then would you, would you be willing to consider the heart problem that you might not call sin, but you know is there? Would you be willing, if you find yourself in that skeptic lane, whether you're online or you're here, would you be willing to say, you know what, These, this is my list. This is my reasons. Would you just be willing to say, hey, I'm going to relook at those. I'm going to maybe doubt some of those doubts. And then would you consider, man, I, I don't call it sin, but man, if I'm honest, there's something in my heart that I can't fix. I've tried this, and I've tried this, and I've tried this, and, and it might help for a little bit, but man, if I'm honest, there's something inside of me. There's a hole. There's just uh, something I just haven't found the answer to yet. What, what would you say is keeping you from embracing Jesus as that answer? What, what if he's the answer? What if what he said is true? What if he really did die and rise from the grave? And what if he's saying to you, hey, the sin problem, the heart problem you have, I am the answer. I, I came to fix that problem. I don't, I don't want something from you. I'm, I'm here. I, I sacrifice myself to fix a problem that you couldn't fix. What if he was the answer? Maybe you're here and you'd say, or maybe you're watching online, you'd say, hey, Chris, I, if I was putting myself in a lane, I would say I'm a follower of Jesus. There was a time in my life, maybe it was several years ago, maybe it was recently that you said, hey, I, I've admitted to God that I had a problem. I admitted to God that I had sinned and I, I embraced that he was the solution, that his death and resurrection was the solution. And, and I've asked him to save me. I've started a relationship with God. I've become a follower of Jesus. Well, if, if you find yourself in that lane, can I encourage you to do something? Can I encourage you to share your story? You're like, man, I've never really done that. I, I just kind of keep it to myself. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, get a picket sign out and, like, be a jerk. I'm just saying, like, maybe in the office or over lunch and 
as God opens up a conversation, just maybe share your story with your friend, with your son, with your family member, with, you know, whoever, with your mom. Just tell them about why Jesus is your solution to your heart problem and how he's changed your life. Honestly, one of the best ways, and this is a shameless plug, but not really, is one of the best ways to tell your story is by being baptized. At the end of the month, we're going to have baptism. And man, it's a, it's a very special way for you to share publicly with people that I have made a decision to follow Jesus. And I want the world to know about that. And so if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't taken that step to be baptized... Being baptized doesn't make you more like, you don't, you don't get in with God better. You don't earn favor with God because, because you're baptized. You don't get saved. You don't have to be baptized to have a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus told us in the scriptures, and he gave us the example of, hey, man, when you're a follower of me, you need to be baptized to tell the world. And so if you find yourself in that lane, would you man, be willing to share your story? And, and here's, here's what's cool. God may want to use your story to help in the rescue of somebody else. He might want to use, yeah, my story's not important. My story's not that big of a deal. No, he might want to use your story to help in the rescue of somebody else. And so if you find yourself in that lane of, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, not perfect, don't have it all together, but I'm a follower of Jesus, share your story. Because Jesus came to earth, he, he came not because he just didn't like heaven. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm getting bored in heaven, so I think I'll go somewhere where they'll beat me up and nail me to a cross. I just feel like that's going to be fun. No, he, he came here, and Philippians tells us this, he came here and he took on the form of a servant. He, he went from the highest high to the what would be a lowest low, and he allowed man to crucify him on a cross made of wood that he created. And he did that because there was a problem. And he is the solution to that problem. And so if you're looking for a solution to the heart problem, Jesus boldly says, Look no further. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets help with their heart problem except through me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for just your care for your disciples and how even in the, what would become a very dark moment for them, what would become a, a moment that would change them and really all of history. You took time before that moment to encourage them. You took time in that moment to remind them that you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And God, I pray today, is it, it's in our culture, it's, it's not super popular to be dogmatic about anything. And, and we probably shouldn't be dogmatic about a lot of things, but one thing that, man, you were pretty dogmatic about was that you are the way. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're watching online, 
Maybe you would put yourself kind of in that skeptic lane. You'd say, yeah, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I've got several reasons for not being a follower of Jesus. Would you be willing to doubt some of those doubts? Jesus isn't asking you to give him money. He's not even asking you to change your life right now. He's saying, hey, you have a problem. And I'm the solution to that problem. And if you'll believe me that I'm the solution, all the things that you're worried about changing in your life, man, I'll take care of those. Just come to me as the solution. And I'll work with you. I'll change you. I'll transform you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, I came kind of skeptical. I don't have all the answers to all my questions, but man, I I do realize I have a sin problem. I know I have a heart problem. And I've looked in a lot of different places and I've, I've just not found the answer. Today, Jesus says, I'm the answer. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast and you would say, today I'm ready to embrace the answer. Just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're seated, you can do that just just by talking to God, in your heart to God. If you're here this morning or you're listening and you'd say, today, I want to embrace Jesus as the answer. Just in the quietness of this room, would you in your heart say something like this to God? Just say, dear God, I admit I have a problem. I admit that I've sinned. Just tell him. And then just tell him, just between you and him. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to be the solution. I believe Jesus died and rose from the grave for me. Just tell him in your own words, just tell him. And then just invite Jesus. Say, Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want a relationship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, If you're here this morning and you would say, hey, Chris, today I I prayed with you. I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. Today I said yes to Jesus. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you just slip up your hand? You just, by slipping up your hand, you're saying, hey, today's the day. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Today's the day. Maybe you're watching online and And you're raising your hand, but we can't see you. Man, we want to know about your decision. We want to celebrate with you. So if you prayed to receive Jesus, if you're here with us this morning, you can reach out right in front of you and you can take that decision card and just fill that out and then drop it in the offering basket on your way out. And we'll we'll contact you once this week and just, man, celebrate with you and see if there's any way we can help you. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and you can fill out the card there and we'll contact you as well. If you're here, and I know many of you are followers of Jesus, I would encourage you this week, tell your story. And if you're here and man, you've, you've been thinking about being baptized, you, you know it's important, but you've never taken that step, 
It's actually the most fun Sunday we ever have is when we do baptism. And if that's you, you can, you can also take a decision card in front of you and you can just write on there that, man, you just want to get baptized. And just bring it to us at Next Steps. Or you can, there's actually a spot in the app and the announcements where you can actually sign up for baptism. We would love to celebrate with you your story of following Jesus. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming to take care of a problem that we could not fix. In Jesus' name, amen.